Johnny Gould's Jewish State, bringing Israel and the diaspora together. Today, Israel's war in Gaza and the big consequences not highlighted in mainstream media. The hundreds of thousands of displaced Israelis from the south of the country and the huge mobilization of the people from the ground up without waiting for government help or endorsement. Israel is a self-starting civil society which takes so much upon itself, so says Flo Hassan Nahum, Deputy Mayor of Jerusalem, who explains how her city and the rest of Israel has absorbed 250,000 displaced people from the south. Scroll back a few episodes to 123 for Entebbe hostage survivor Benny Davidson, as he tells us how he rushed to the side of hostage families from Gaza to explain what it's like to be one and his own dramatic story. Yes, I went through a hijack of an airplane and a week in Entebbe. And I have nothing but very strong emotions and feeling. I know what they're going through. You can see the horror in their eyes when they were abducted from their homes and walked or mounted on, on, on motorcycles or, or jeeps or cars uh, to Gaza. David Ben-Gurion, Israel's first prime minister, believed that the nation's borders would not be protected by soldiers, tanks and guns alone. Military bases were not enough to secure the country. He believed civilians should also live right up to the border. Alongside the military, there should also be schools, clinics and the farmers. And so, Kibbutz Nahal Oz was formed in 1953, just five years after the State of Israel was declared. Sent on this mission by Ben-Gurion, a group of idealistic teenagers in the midst of their military service who started the kibbutz. It was the closest village to the border. So close, Iron Dome couldn't even protect it. The community had seven seconds to head for air raid shelters when rockets came over. It's the most bombarded place in Israel. And on October the 7th, Nahal Oz suffered terribly. Over 61 soldiers killed. Over seven soldiers taken hostage. Over 12 civilian fatalities. And over 20 civilians missing. And this out of a kibbutz population of 471. But Nahal Oz, Gafar Aza and Be'eri will be rebuilt. And as Fleur now explains, that determination for the people of the South to rebuild their homes doesn't just come from within those communities, but from the will of the rest of the whole country. It's the fruit basket of the nation for one. Israel's food security is undermined without the farmers of the South. And secondly, jihadist terrorists will never dictate where Jews should and shouldn't live in their own country. Fleur is also a Likud party member, as is her beleaguered party leader and Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu. And what I wanted to talk about now is this loosening grip that Netanyahu has 
on Israeli society because he's not popular out there, even with people that voted for him because of this terrible pogrom. And Israeli society is a self-starting one so that Israeli society looks after itself. And there has been a hostage center set up uh, which organizes itself and puts pressure on the Israeli government to work harder to get people out. And who better to talk about that than with the Deputy Mayor of Jerusalem. A warm welcome, as always, to Fleur Hassan Nahum. Hello, Fleur. Hi, John. How are you? Yes, I'm all right, thanks. Listen, how are you in Jerusalem? Oh, it depends what hour of the day you ask me. <laughs> um, and yes, you're, you're quite right. Israel is a self-starting society that has really taken on so much on itself. We are, I think we've got the probably the strongest civil society in the world, highest NGO per capita in the world. And Jerusalem has actually become now, you know, ironically, a city of refuge. There's about 250,000 displaced people in the state of Israel. We've got over 35,000 in about 70 hotels. Uh, we've opened up makeshift schools for the evacuees, entertainment for the children in the afternoon. People who came here from the 7th of October it was summer, it's winter now. We needed coats and winter clothes and we've set up a whole free shop for anybody to take anything they want. So we are doing, in terms of civil society and local government, we're doing a lot in this war effort and we will continue to do so. And the very real prospect of population movement that may be permanent, it's not just Jerusalem, of course, it's Tel Aviv as well and some of the big cities in the middle of the country where there is temporary hotel accommodation. But realistically, Fleur, those people in the south who lived in Sterot and various other places, Sterot had its economic incentives. Many of the citizens who lived down there uh, got trains to Ashkelon and then further up, but they lived tax-free. That was the incentive. But realistically, Fleur, how many people will ever return to the south to live, given that terrible pogrom? Well, it really does depend on whether we get rid of Hamas or not. Mm. So the government from the very first moment has said, we are going to get rid of Hamas, they will no longer rule Gaza. Now, this is not just because we don't want more rocket fire. This is because the government understands that if Hamas is in power, they cannot guarantee the safety of the people in the south. And this is why it's an existential threat. You know, people push back when I say this is an existential threat. And I'll tell you why it is. Because if we can't live in a certain area of Israel, um, then they've succeeded. If the families and the communities of the South can't go back, rebuild their homes and live the communities that they had, they've succeeded. They've succeeded in evacuating a part of Israel. And this is why it's existential. We can't let them succeed. But in order for us, um, you know, to guarantee the, the safety of these people who thought their safety was guaranteed with the border, for God's sake, then we have to ensure that this genocidal regime doesn't continue its rule. Now, remember, the leaders of Hamas who are in Qatar are saying openly that they're going to do this again and again and again. This is not our paranoia. They're saying it. We're going to try again and we're going to do this again because they're our aims are not kind of let's get this bit of territory and let's get this bit of territory. Their aims are com the complete destruction of the state of Israel. They say it very, very openly. 
how um, Iran is behind them and they say it openly. You know, I, I learned something a long time ago and people keep saying they hate you, they want to kill you, believe them. And so that's the situation that we're in. So the people from the south are not going to go back until Hamas is no longer ruling the Strip and that's going to take a while. Yeah. And the other thing that I didn't know until this terrible um, massacre, uh, and I went down recently as well, I've been a few times, I've been down south since the terrible 7th of October uh, events, is that 60% of our fruit and vegetables come from the south of Israel. Right. And so, you know, how are we going to feed our country? Mm-hmm. They literally were the fruit basket of the country. And so if they don't go back, you know, we need another plan. And so the alternatives are not very attractive at the moment. So it is a zero option. We must restore civil life to the south. And I know I was with uh, hostages, families uh, on Monday here in London. And the commitment to rebuild the kibbutzim is absolutely clear. There is a determination to return to life, albeit post-October the 7th, to look slightly differently. At the end of the day, it's in Hamas's interest to pass the hostages because every day they do, they have a day of quiet. They have a day that Israel is not continuing its, its offense. And so I pray to God, and I just spoke to the friend of a mother with two boys, 12 and 16, Renana Gomeyakov. She originally thought her boys were on the list. Then they weren't there yesterday. They're not there today. She's going through hell. Mm. Imagine Johnny, if it was your children, you're I, a father. I actually can't, I can't go there, Fleur. You don't want to go there, right? Yeah. I'm speaking to these mothers and I can barely breathe. Yeah. And I'm just yeah. speaking to you. And so this is the torture they're going through every single day. And if you're a mother of a 25-year-old boy, you're thinking, when is he going to be on any list? Because he's a man, because he's considered a combatant just because of his age, and he's not women and children. And so it's hell and torture for every single family. And, I, and I'm and i hoping that all the families will see their loved ones on the way that we saw those families reunited in such a heartbreaking and heartwarming way at the same time. Now, as a politician yourself, you'll know that there is an overwhelming pressure from the families of the hostage and wider Israeli society to put pressure on the government to work as hard as they can. But as a politician, we mustn't lose sight of the fact that in order for Israel to succeed and produce its sovereign borders back to uh, the right level, uh, that Hamas still needs to be beaten, which means that Israel needs to stave off these pauses as much as possible in order to complete its military and diplomatic objectives. Exactly. I mean, look, we knew the price that we're paying for this hostage deal is the fact that we had momentum and we had to stop the momentum in order for these people to be released. And I'm in favor of that. As a mother, as a woman, as a politician, I'm in favor of putting the lives of the hostages first. A lot of criticism in this country saying, well, how much is this going to cost us? In, in soldiers' lives, soldiers here are 19, 20-year-old kids. Mm. How, how much is this going to cost us in soldiers' lives? And they have a point. But ultimately, ultimately, the government and the security services let down these families. And so we have to pay the price of getting them home. And the longer we go on offense, 
without getting them back, the less chance we have of getting them back. And so I'm in favor of doing whatever needs to be done, even if it's five, six, seven days of quiet. Let's get them all back and let's get back to the job of dismantling Hamas. Maybe the entire world can help us in that task and we're not left on our own because ultimately Hamas merely represents Iran and Iran has much wider ambitions than Israel. Iran has the whole free world in their ambitions. A sobering thought to end this discussion. The Deputy Mayor of Jerusalem, Fleur Hassan Nakhon, thank you very much indeed. There's a lot of competing attention for you, I do know. You're probably consuming more media than ever before to be right up to speed with what's going on in Israel and back home. I'm playing my part in the best way I can, using my journalistic and production skills to make the case for Israel via this Johnny Gould's Jewish State, and I've done it since 2018. If you enjoy my podcast, and you'd rather it existed than not, that I kept doing it, you can support me very simply by buying me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash johnnygould because it really helps. Tell your friends, subscribe now if you haven't already, scroll back and look through the 120 previous episodes. And as always, thank you for listening. Johnny Gould's Jewish State is brought to you with Dangor Education.